welcome back to another Reflections episode on the Eyes Wide Open Life podcast. I'm the host, Rockler Jarman. These are shorter episodes um, in a series called Reflections and Contemplations. In this series, we will cover pieces of my own work or pieces I've come across that I find deeply inspiring and have enriched my thinking and my life in some profound way. These reflections are intended to fill the cultural space that homilies and philosophical or spiritual contemplations used to. The thought to put in mind is, what do you wish to say to the world which might set wings to the fallen angels of our abandoned but once noble ideas? It is true we cannot change people, but we can speak with conviction and passion and set lights in the sky of their mind so that the moths or their own inner wisdom might be drawn to them or not. The thing is, not everyone is ill with a sense of disconnection, and there are more people that want good things with no cost to other living beings. But how do you speak about this when speaking loudly has become just another form of illness? So these reflections are invitations for us to find stillness, to reflect, to find a way gracefully of speaking about um, the issues that we confront, our emotions, our psychological challenges in relationships and in society, um, in a way that isn't more noise that we're finding on all of our digital channels already. Today's reflection is on the paradox of being and becoming of actualization and integration. We often try to apply different approaches, learnings, all of our pursuits, um, the efforts that we put into improving ourselves, improving our relationships. They're one of two kinds. They're either ones of, of accepting and allowing what is, or of striving against and improving and defying. And they're both noble, and we don't notice that they're they're on offer all the time, and we don't always know which one to apply. So a way of calling that or a way of thinking about that is of being and becoming is—is is it more noble to simply be, or more noble to um, to strive to become? So the opening piece is written by me. It's about how we falsely prize wisdom. We think that wisdom is the prize, and wisdom is the advice from others on how to climb the proverbial mountain or how to console ourselves when we encounter parts of the climb we weren't anticipating. But it's, it's worth mentioning that it's no substitute for the actual climb. It goes like this. We can come to the scented garden of wisdom through the wide, sunlit French doors of reason, where we may sit with the wise, sipping from a grail, Filled from a fountain, under the shade of fig trees, here might we share company with princes and poets. Now it's no accident that this imagery is borrowed from 
the prophet or from the rubayat of Amakayan. It's it's the stories that um, I was shared with as a young man that I didn't fully understand, but I was led to believe that <clears throat> this is where wisdom lay, this is what wisdom looked like, and this is where wisdom was found. And I think that way that we're we're programmed or influenced as a young person can often lead us mistakenly to believe that wisdom is the prize. We can come to the centered garden of wisdom through the wide, sunlit French doors of reason, where we may sit with a wise, sipping from a grail, filled from a fountain under the shade of fig trees. Here might we share company with princes and poets. But the sacred and most intimate hearth of knowing can be arrived at only through the long and narrow corridor of living. And there, on the simplest of rugs, lit by a self-fed fire, is a single chair and a single humble cup, where there is no second seat, not even for a king. The way the world is understood by others, these are the actual academic subjects that we study, the books we read. These are the areas of argument and consensus about the world we live in and our journeys through it. But our journey, ultimately, is intimately personal. Our experiences are private. The most beautiful insights we might arrive at about the manner of our falling and rising, about feeling lost and finding our courage and our purpose, they get skewed or even worse, lost altogether as we import someone else's language someone else's questions and choose our own difficult steps based on permission from someone else. And no one else is coming. We can come to the scented garden of wisdom through the wide, sunlit French doors of reason, where we may sit with a wise, sipping from a grail filled from a fountain under the shade of fig trees. Here might we share the company with princes and poets. But the sacred and most intimate hearth of knowing can be arrived at only through the long and narrow corridor of living. The most intimate hearth of knowing can be arrived at only through the long and narrow corridor of living, and there, on the humblest of rugs, lit by a self-fed fire, is a single chair and a single simple cup, where there is no second seat, no second seat, not even for a king. The second piece is about falling and rising and the meaning of courage. The, the metaphors or motifs that we think about when we think about spiritual growth and healing is about climbing a tree, crossing a chasm, making a journey, climbing a mountain. It goes like this. I fell and climbed and fell down again. I climbed and fell. And on a day when I reached the highest branch I had ever climbed, I asked the tree, why must I keep falling? So even when we come to realizations that um, our trials come to sort of bring some gifts in their hands for us, we, we, we do it and then we pick ourselves up and then we do it and we think we've learned to listen and then we find ourselves in low places again. And it's, 
it's upsetting and it's because it asks us the question, what exactly do we need to do? How much more do we need to give? What, had, what have we not learned or understood the first time? I fell and climbed and fell down again. I climbed and fell. And on a day when I reached the highest branch I had ever climbed, I asked the tree, why must I keep falling? And the tree was silent. And we ask the universe these questions, and we, we in our forms of, of prayer or coming to stillness or contemplation or, or genuine vulnerability, uh, the questions on our lips is, why? Is there something about us that we need to accept? Is there something about us that we need to strive against? I asked the tree, why must I keep falling? And the tree was silent. But the answer but the answer on the flowing wind which caused me thus to sway and waver, promising to wrest me from my safety, was simply that this is how it is to find purchase in the upper branches. This is how it is to find purchase in the upper branches, and the heights we are able to reach will always be, always, tied to the low places we are given to stand within ourselves. In all the pain that comes in that falling, the heights we are able to reach will always be tied to the low places we are given to stand within ourselves in all the pain that comes in that falling. Because the first act of climbing is to rise oneself from the floor and to find the courage, the heart of hearts to climb again. Our falling to low places, our unlovely parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at and accept, are as much part of our truth as the shining noble image that we're striving for, the ideal self that we like to see ourselves as. The low moments, the moments of trial, of sorrow, of loss, of testing, these are the very things that temper our blades. Every one of us has a moment that has brought us low, defeated us, taught us defeat but also, in hindsight, revealed to us the grain of our own strength. All of our true growth comes through this kind of adversity. Every adult has had an experience in their life which maybe they wouldn't choose to gladly repeat, but which we can say with certainty defined us, and we wouldn't trade that hardship because of the gifts it carried in its hands and how it showed us our quality and our courage. The self-discovery that we can come to by facing our shadow and by the choice to courage, the way in which we lead the child within by the door of voluntary vulnerability to come to the place of great healing can only be exactly this way because all our first wounds arrived in the only place they could arrive, which was the utmost helpless vulnerability of childhood. And the act of choosing to lift ourselves from the floor to keep striving means that strength is a decision. Strength is not a measure of power or some innate resource who only some have a deep well of within the fortress of their hearts. It is simply a decision which says, I will try again. I fell and climbed and fell down again. I climbed and fell. And on a day when I had reached the highest branch I had ever climbed, I asked the tree, why must I keep falling? And the tree was silent. But the answer on the flowing wind, which caused me thus to sway and to waver, promising to wrest me from my safety, 
was simply that this is how it is to find purchase in the upper branches. And the heights we are able to reach will always be tied to the low places we are given to stand within ourselves. Tied to the low places we are given to stand within ourselves in all the pain that comes in that falling. Because the first act of climbing is to rise oneself from the floor and to find the courage, the heart of hearts, to climb again. Now, the last piece is about our reluctance to face low moments, to be born into new mornings where we can realize that we are not the best versions of ourselves. Where we realize we are failing the people that count on us to show up. We feel that we are failing ourselves and we don't go into our winters with grace. We cling, fearing that summer will not come again. We forget that everything ebbs and flows. And again, the question is when to strive and defy and when to accept and surrender. The last piece goes like this. The retreating into the roots of oneself is not the losing of your name in a winter of resignation or the shying from the sun, but the casting off of the vibrant leaves of who you were yesterday, the practicing of letting go and the dwelling in the inner stillness. We... We practice letting go at night when we go to sleep. We practice letting go in winter. We practice in our defeats. We're practicing surrender. Almost to practice for that last great surrender. The retreating into the roots of oneself is not the losing of your name in a winter of resignation or shying from the sun, but the casting off of the vibrant leaves of who you were yesterday the practicing of letting go and the dwelling in the inner stillness so that you can learn grace, grow, and not just greet the sky come spring, but be the shining light at the very heart of the resplendence as your own new life blooms. And not just greet the sky come spring, but be the shining light at the very heart of the resplendence as your own new life blooms and sings its part in the great chorus to the ready ears of a world that was always waiting for your voice. The courage to let go, the preparedness to sometimes be small and to not have the answers, to not be up to task, to allow ourselves to be undone, is actually the source of a real power and a real becoming. The place of power and purpose we want to come to The inheritance of stillness, which we like to call enlightenment or nirvana or peace or prayer. It's not about how much wisdom we can accrue or how much only we can build ourselves up. These moments are just as much about radical undoing, a deep surrender to what is and a brave, loving acceptance of exactly what we are. We often get confused about when to be and when to try and become, when to choose and when to surrender, when to apply equanimity and when to apply defiance. Both of these actually take a different kind of courage. All activities we pursue 
to lead fulfilling lives, to heal, to grow. We don't realize that they are two sides of the same coin. We're trying to go beyond ourselves. We're, we're trying to accept our limitations with grace. And when we find comfort in knowing that our current limits are not permanent limitations, it's exactly when we realize that we're actively taking part in this conversational ebb and flow. It's like the phases of the moon or tide that ebbs and flows. It's like seasons that are ever-turning. <clears throat> the answer, of course, is neither A nor B, neither this nor that. It's always both. It's actualization and integration. It's anchoring below the surface to the deep and unlovely places that we, that we actually are or that form our nature so that we can grow and stretch and reach, just like a tree. Remembering that to reach means both to strive against our current limits as well as to arrive at a place beyond them. To reach means both to strive against our current limits as well as to reach a place beyond them. The first golden truth that we might take on board is that there needs to be time for both. <clears throat> the point to our practices and our spiritual efforts is to figure out for ourselves in our own ways when to practice choice and when to practice surrender. Everything in life, everything we can observe and experience, all the ways in which this world and our engagement with it delights and saddens us is a result of cause and effect. And to arrive at better outcomes within and in our relationships and in our lives of the world, of in our society at large, we need to understand and be aware of the causes so that we might all become more aware of what we can and cannot change and where to learn to apply equanimity and when to learn and apply courage, both of which are expressions of surrender and of love. I hope you enjoyed that Reflections episode. I enjoy creating them and recording them because they're nice counterpoints to the, the usual episodes that I record, which are quite dense and quite difficult to digest, and they're always heavy material. Um, they're meant to take the place of contemplations or homilies, and the reason we sometimes used to seek out um, spiritual community because we are so bombarded with um, shallow information designed to distract and outrage us that it's nice sometimes to take a moment and reflect on something deep and meaningful and personal and come to stillness and uh, share this in the interest of um, just a better life for ourselves and better relationships between us and other people. So if you have a piece that you'd like us to cover on a Reflections episode, please email me at eyeswideopenlife.org, info at eyeswideopenlife.org. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Until then, take care.